Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We have passed the halfway point of overtime with Jillian and Chris here on 610 Sports Radio and the Radio.com app. I am Chris Funocero, joined by my man Julio Sanchez on the other side. And no Jillian today. She is in uh, Paris, France. She is at the Women's World Cup. She is having a good time, according to her photos, taking pictures at the Eiffel Tower. She's uh, coaching her youth team out there. She's They're big time right now. She's, That's what she's doing. She's big time the big bleep time out of us for the last couple months now. Because she wasn't here the, the Saturday after, during the draft. Yeah, she's been big timing us for a while. Yeah, so. I'm feeling a little used and abused. I am I'm not gonna lie. I am. Not in she a good way. To, she needs to come back and she needs she if she don't have no souvenirs, we're gonna have some problems. She needs to we're gonna have a big talk with her. We better get something back for all the uh for all the uh work that we've had to put in with her uh absence here. So she'll probably have a bunch of great stories when uh she is back here. So uh make sure you're following us on Twitter at Cero to sixty. That's at C E R O T O six Zero. That is my Twitter handle. At Jillian Thomas 22, that is Jillian Carroll's Twitter handle. And then obviously Julio's is that as at the Julio Sanchez. He is the only Julio Sanchez on there. He is the one. So now let, let us get to Julio's web hits. Julio's web hits. All right. So this, uh, this first one, the, the always entertaining uh, Stephen A uh, on his uh, regular morning show the other uh, I'd say a couple days ago, had a caller on who kind of gave him a taste of his own medicine. Uh, you know, he's he's famous for the uh, get off the, the weed. weed. Well, this caller gave him a kind of a some taste of his own medicine here. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Robert? Robert, go ahead. Yo, what's up, man? Go ahead. I don't know who to blame. Steve Curl, Steph Curl. But you that shot back. <laughs> Almost a good call, but we do not shoot that shot back. No, I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. You, 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 you okay? You know, you sound like you've been drinking this early in the morning, bro. Nah, I don't You sound a little bit slurred in your speech. You don't sound like you straight. I don't understand you. Weed is legal in D.C. You're high. I got you. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. No, you just admit it. You want some weed. You called up the show while on some weed. I asked you if you were on something, and you said some weed is legal. I'm assuming that means Stephen A. ain't breaking no laws, but I called your show. Ha! So guess what? Goodbye! I mean, how can... You're high. How can you not love Stephen A.? I mean, I feel like he deserved that. feel like he had that one coming. Good for the caller. It's legal. You know what? Oh, well. Too bad, Stephen A. I always find it funny because, like, if I had to guess, like, anybody at at, uh, at ESPN that does smoke, I would 
think that Stephen A would be right. He he seems like a guy that would smoke. He seems like a guy that would like to get lit up every now. Back and in then. the day, I think he really used to. I think he probably still does. He got down. It's just like his gimmick now, because like you could you could you know you, you can fail tests and whatnot. Like I think he's I think he'd be all right with it. I mean, you obviously got like there's there are a lot of guys now who are investing in like CBD and whatnot. Like I I don't he doesn't seem like he's as anti weed in real life as he is on the air. I just feel like he's he's kind of made it his gimmick or whatnot. I'd say it is. We have had a lot he of drunk. Still. We, we, have, down. we have had a lot of drunk people call in on uh, the different various shows and whatnot, especially uh back when Vern was doing the uh the Royals post game shows. We had numerous people, especially when they when the Royals were good, and they would call in and they'd be really, really wasted and Sometimes they like do a really good job oh, when you're yes. screening them of oh, uh, yes. of uh, sounding sober, and then they get on the air and they are just hammered. Um, I don't want to out the name of this caller, but we had a caller once. Feel like you should. I, I feel like they deserve it. I should because I don't know for sure if it was or not. But th- this caller called in during the post game show, did their gimmick, and then at the end, they it sounded like they took a bong hit. When they and I had to hang up right as soon as the, as soon as we heard it, I was like, oh no, no, we can't have that on the air. But it sounded like they took a bong hit before they before they hung up. So before I hung up on them. So uh, believe me, it ain't, it ain't the first time that someone's ever called into sports radio high or drunk. We get a lot of drunk people calling in all the time. Uh, so yeah, no, I believe me, I I understand his pain uh, because we ha- we have that pretty frequently here on six ten. But I mean, you can you can call the show and be high, but you just have to. Have your thought, have coherent thoughts, and, and have a coherent conversation. It's hard to do that when you're under the influence. I mean, that's not necessarily true. Not it's that hard I know to, from experience. It's hard to do that from when you're under the influence. Not, not that I know from experience. Yeah. but I, I feel like it, it, it's okay. You just you, you have to be able to, to verbalize your thoughts. But Otherwise, what if his brain's going everywhere? But I called your show. Ha! <laughs> so guess what? Goodbye. Thank you for that, Stephen. <laughs> What's next? All right. So apparently. OJ, OJ Simpson, the juice, is now, for whatever reason, feels like he needs to join the Twitter world because he has uh, he has a he has a few things to say. Hey Twitter world, this is yours truly. Now coming soon to Twitter, you'll get to read all my thoughts and opinions on just about everything. Just what now, I now. There's a lot of fake OJ accounts out there, so this one at the real OJ32 is the only official one. So this should be a lot of fun. I got a little getting even to do. So God bless. Take care. He's got an excellent voice. <laughs> did Did you know that that Twitter handle he just gave out was already taken? Yeah. And and just uh, as soon as he put that out there, they went on there, tweeted a bunch of uh, inappropriate comments about OJ and, yeah. and his past. Yeah. Which have since been deleted. Yeah. Uh yeah, that that was uh, that was OJ's first mistake, and I feel like this is just not this is just not a good move for OJ. I think it's a really bad move. Um, now, the, here's the problem: is like, I, did he did he actually put the book out, or did he say he was going to put the book out that that was named "If I Did It"? Because to me, that's a really really bad PR move right there to go out there and say, "Yeah, if I did it," you know, essentially almost like. Kind of passively and passively admitting to that murder. Can't be charged for it now. He can't be charged for it now because double jeopardy laws. But and it just seems like a really bit bad PR move for him to be on social media. What, like, what is? Wait, wait. First of all, what does it matter? What type of PR? I mean, at, at this point, 
He needs to be going like you know, like doing charity nonsense. He needs okay? to be doing like charity work or something. You no, know, there's no, there's no yeah, redemption for him. I mean, Hulk Hogan, no redemption. Hulk Hogan's racist, and you know he did charity work. And he got hired again by the WWE. So like, Hulk Hogan could, didn't. Yeah, I mean, possibly murder somebody. Yeah, but like. He got he got dragged for it, and you know all he did was do some boys and girls club stuff, and he got hired back with WWE. You know, like so, like maybe he can like if he did some charity work, like maybe he can. There's go, no redemption for him. He can like go to some NFL functions or whatnot, because like I mean, technically the NFL could just be like, well, he wasn't actually you're you know, high. He wasn't actually convinc- you know convicted of any murder, so they could just use that defense and they can have him at like the Hall of Fame. Have you have you been hanging out with Stephen A's caller? No, I don't Are you know who high that guy as well. Is. I'm no, I'm completely sober. I uh, I was I'm very, OJ too. Very you OJ and Stephen A's caller. No, I think I'm have just been saying, out, like, taking a few bongs. To me, like it's 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 bad PR for him to be on Twitter because he sounded like he's got some he he's he's got some axes to grind. He's got some vendettas that he needs to work through. I'm not I'm not gonna lie though. He, he had a very sensual voice. I feel like it, I, I could use his his voiceover for the story of my life when it gets written. Nah, I don't think he's got the voice for it. I just want to see, like, I want to see who he's going to tear down. Maybe. Yours truly. Now, coming soon to Twitter, you'll get to read all my thoughts and opinions on just about everything. <laughs> I I wonder if he's going to comment on that Chris just Jenner story. Everything. You know that Chris Jenner story we talked about a couple weeks ago? I wonder if he's going to comment on that story. He's like, Chloe, I'm your daddy. <laughs> Chloe, I'm your daddy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> What's next? We've got another one with... Uh, a bully of a man who stole a foul ball from another small child. And then the race is on, and Dad got it. Not their dad, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Those little kids who have run it over it. Oh, now he's threatening them. So, story goes, apparently this guy's been going to Orioles games for 30-plus years, and he's never caught in a foul ball. And so that justifies him running over and snagging a ball from what looks to be around a 12-year-old-ish 12, 12 child. Good move or bad? Here's my thing. I think snagging that foul ball or snagging that home run ball, unless it's like a legendary one that you can like sell for tens of thousands of dollars on eBay, it's overrated. I've gotten some BP balls when I, when I worked in promotions, and I would set up the 610 Saturday tent and whatnot over at rivals back when we did it over there before we got the fancy ass trailer that we got uh over in uh, left field and i i got him and i was like oh this is cool and then i was like oh it's you know it's just a it's just a ball like it it really wasn't as special as a lot of people make it out to be i mean if that's your thing that's your thing but like it didn't really feel like this was something i had to fight someone over so like i don't really especially think, a little kid yeah especially a little kid and like you're barreling like I would never, like, go out of the row that I was in to get a home run or a foul ball or anything like that. I would never leave the row that I was in. Like, if it was, like, and a couple seats over. over and basically yeah. boxed, the, boxed the kid out. I've seen people, like, fall over the seats in order to get these foul balls or whatnot. Like I said, unless you can make money off of that home run ball, there is no reason why you should be barreling over people and falling over to, uh, all over seats and whatnot uh, just to get this foul ball. Because to me... It, it is a, it, it's not, it, it's just a ball. Like, I just, I've never understood why so many people will go out of their way. Like, you got that, what is it? That, there's this guy that, like, goes to different ballparks or whatever and tries to catch these balls. And Like, like I said, unless it's, like, a legendary one, it, to me, doesn't make any sense for you to go out of your way to try to fight people to get it. What's next, Leo? 
Last one we got here. We're going to dip back into the uh, old Stephen A. pool. He was in Toronto for uh, for the NBA Finals, um, and he had this to say, which I 100% agree with him, uh, about uh, Canadians. Well, what the hell are y'all doing leading the news with hockey? <laughs> Not the same. I, I mean, it's like, you know, listen, Toronto is a phenomenal city. You got, you're the only basketball team in the country. Boston is playing St. Louis in hockey. It ain't the Maple Leafs. And still, y'all talking hockey in this town. I just don't understand. So this this was right before game six. You can hear the Canadians laugh at first at the beginning part and then really kind of be like, oh, yeah, you're talking about hockey. You better... Watch out. But he's he's 100% correct. Your you have nothing to do right now with the NHL with with your and you have one NBA team. They are in the finals. You have no say so in what's going on in the NHL finals. Why are why are you prioritizing hockey over the NBA finals at this point? Now, now think about this. Now Come imagine on. if a Canadian person Come came on. over here and tried to talk to us uh, the same way, but instead of instead of talking about basketball, they would talk to us about hockey. Like we were like, yeah, shut the bleep up. We don't really care about hockey that much. Like if you look at the the ratings for like the the Stanley Cup Finals, they were pulling like five million people or whatnot, which is just you know really good ratings. But it's almost a qu- It's just over a quarter. It's like thirty percent of what the NBA Finals were pulling here in America for the same games because we just care about it more. Yeah, Canada just. Canada just likes hockey more than they like basketball. I understand, like, you got a local team there, but, like, we just happen to like that sport. They just happen to like hockey better than they, than they like the NBA. Yeah, so but they had them. no vested, other than being general hockey fans, they had no vested interest in in the Stanley Cup Finals at all. Like, that would be, that would be like Vancouver back in the day when they had the Grizzlies and the Toronto Raptors playing each other, and we had two American teams in the NHL Finals. And us putting the NBA Finals with those two teams ahead of, and I don't think that would necessarily be the case. They, Do you? Uh, yeah, they. Well, I don't. Here's the thing. Like I said, it's it's a matter of which sport is more popular. Hockey's way more popular over there than than basketball is over there. So I'm not going to blame them for paying. But your more team attention. is in the finals. Yeah, but Come they don't on, care man. about the sport that much. They I don't mean, deserve the NBA championship. Like, then. here was my thing about this whole this whole St. Louis Blues situation. Is like, I was I was happy when the Stanley Cup Finals were over because I was happy that Kansas City didn't stop pretending to like hockey. Because I was like, we don't like hockey this much. It's just nice to join up on the bandwagon on a team that's semi-local that you can root for and get some joy, especially when during the season right now you have the Kansas City Royals out here losing, you know, 80% of their games. So, yeah, it's nice to go out there and jump on the bandwagon, but it's nice now that we don't have to pretend like we're St. Louis Blues fans because they're a local team. Like, look, I I don't think a lot of people in the, here in Kansas City really care about hockey that much. I don't think that's true at all. I I think there there's some, some people that... serious Blues fans. Oh, here. yeah, there are some hockey serious. Fans in general. It just ain't that many. It just ain't that many. And there's a lot of people that just all of a sudden out of the blue started caring about hockey because the St. Louis Blues were good. And you didn't hear nothing about the St. Louis Blues two months ago here in Kansas City. You heard not a thing unless it was somebody that was from St. Louis. So there was a lot of a lot of pretend fans of the St. Louis Blues popped up all of a sudden. 
And so, I, like, believe me, I didn't jump on that hype because I was like, yeah, I don't really care about hockey. So I can completely understand that. Coming up next, there was, a, we're, speaking of Canada, there was a, uh, a very, very big controversy here in regards to the fans cheering for Kevin Durant's injury. And I'll give you my thoughts on that next. But I called your show, ha! So guess what? Back in here on Overtime with Jillian and Chris here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. Chris and O'Sara and uh, Julio Sanchez. No Jillian today. She's in Paris, France at the Women's World Cup. Going to get into this uh, this situation here. with well, This is going to be a, a, a very anti-Canada half hour. We, uh, we, we really went in on Canada in the I'm last okay half hour. Uh, I mean the last segment there, but we need to we need to talk about the uh, the situation that happened on uh, in Game Five when uh, when the uh, Canadian fans up there in Toronto decided that when Kevin Durant got hurt in the second quarter of the NBA Finals of Game Game Five of the NBA Finals, and uh, it turns out that he uh, he. Uh, Tore his Achilles tendon. He's going to be done for likely the next year because that's usually what happens when you get those injuries. So no Kevin Durant in 2019-2020, more, more likely than that, unless he's got some Wolverine-like healing abilities. Um, the fans cheered. They initially cheered, and then when you had Kyle Lowry for the Raptors and Pascal Siakam and a lot of other Raptors players signaled to the crowd, hey, you need to stop that bleep. That's when they kind of felt sorry and they apologized. They like did the little clap or whatever because he was able to walk out. He was able to limp out under his own power and whatnot. And people really beat the Canadians over the head with what happened in this situation. And and it's understandable because you know, basic human decency states, you probably shouldn't cheer for someone's injury. Now, obviously, I don't think anybody thought that he was that was going to be like a a year long injury. No, I don't think anybody was like, "Oh, he tore his ACL or he tore his Achilles tendon." A lot of people thought he just reaggravated the calf injury that he had had anyways when he uh, jumped in. But I didn't have the reaction about the Canadian fans as a lot of people had. Not simply just because obviously the big examples have been pointed out is what Chiefs fan did. Chiefs fans did uh, when Matt Castle had his concussion that. Uh, pretty much ended his career here in Kansas City. Obviously, you know, that's like the easy one to go to. But, like, the, the, big, the big issue in all of this is the fact that as sports fans, we are taught to not view these athletes as people. Unless, you know, their opponent is celebrating and then we got to act like they're really sensitive and they can't handle someone having fun, having success against them. That's, you know, besides that, we generally don't view these athletes as people. When... Like whenever a player on the on the Chiefs gets cut, we don't sit around and think about the ramifications for that person's life when they get cut. We don't sit around and think about, oh man, well, I wonder what that person's going to do for money now that they've gotten cut by the Chiefs. You know, now that this person has gotten DFA'd by the Royals, like we don't think about those ramifications because we're like, oh, well, I'm glad that person's off my team. Let's go find a better player. Like when Chris Owens got DFA'd, 
I don't think very many people at all were sitting around thinking, oh, man, I wonder what he's going to do for money now. Like, they were just like, oh, well, Chris Owens not on the team now. What about Bubba Starling? Like, that's the, that, that's the thing that we as, a, as, as sports fans have been conditioned to think. We, we're conditioned to think of these players as pieces to a puzzle, parts to a machine, rather than think of them as people. And so naturally, when a player that we don't like is injured and forced out of a game, we're like, if it's a player on our team that we don't like, we're like, oh, great, because now we can replace this person with a better player. We don't think about the ramifications of what will happen if what will happen after the fact for that person. And so naturally, they were going to cheer for Kevin Durant's injury because they're like, okay, that that means essentially we're insured to win an NBA championship tonight. Now, that obviously didn't happen, but they weren't sitting around happy that Kevin Durant was gone because they didn't like Kevin Durant. They were happy he was gone because it meant success for their own team. And so I'm not going to to kill the Canadian fans like that as much as a lot of people did because I understand where that came from. Much in the same way, when Matt Castle got that concussion, I don't think people were cheering because it's like, bleep Matt Castle, I hate that guy, he's a piece of trash. It was, well, that means that we no longer have to have the one of the things that is preventing us from being a really good football team there in place to stop us anymore. It was us. I I think people cheered because it was a signal of the end of Scott Pioli here in Kansas city more than it was a signal that more than it was. I'm happy because that guy I don't like is on, is no longer on the team because I think people here, like if they had to say, what do they think of him as a person? What do they think of Matt Castle as a person? They're like, oh, man, you know, he seems like a good dude. You know, same thing with Alex Smith. Like, I think the people that didn't like Alex Smith were like, yeah, he seems like a good dude. They just did not did not want him on the team anymore because of his performance. But we are conditioned to look at these players as not human, but as pieces to a puzzle because that's kind of the business that they're in. They're in a business where uh, players are cut simply because they're not good enough not taking into account how that will affect their personal life. And so I completely understand why the fans would do it. Not to say that it's right, because certainly, obviously, you know, out here celebrating when a guy is is out here, um, you know, seemingly in some really serious pain, I can, under, you know, we got to look at that from the human side. But, like, I think I talked about this, like, a few weeks ago. I think it was, like, two or three weeks ago. when like, like I, like, kind of fist-pumped. When LeBron James went down with that groin injury, now I didn't feel as bad as like you would have with the with Canadian fans cheering for uh, for him because it was a groin injury and it's not career ending. He's not he missed some games, but he didn't miss out on any money. He didn't miss out on any. He's not missing on a long period of time. So I completely understand why. Um, you know, I completely under, understand why the fans would be that way. But like, listen to this audio here. Uh, Julio's got the audio here of the fans and the reaction that they had when Kevin Durant went down. Ibaka trying to stay with Durant, knocks it away, and Durant's limping. Durant goes down, holding his leg. Ibaka goes up, and is fouled down the other end. And Durant grabbing that right leg. It's the right calf that put him out. And his teammates going over to check on him. I don't like to hear the fans yeah, cheering. I, I'm surprised by that, and 
and the players are telling him not to be doing that. No question to cheer for a player who gets injured. You will not see a better sight than we just witnessed. Unfortunately, what happened to Kevin Durant, to Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka telling the crowd, no, we are not going to cheer when this guy goes down. And I understand that because like, even you heard Mike Breen there. He was like the calf. He pointed the calf. And so nobody thought that he was going to be out for a year. But then, you know, obviously the the, the Raptors players like, eh, don't be cheering that. And then obviously we found out that it's a torn Achilles tendon. So I feel like a lot of people felt bad about it that were cheering for it. Because at that point, you understand the human ramifications behind it. So I feel like your initial reaction is going to be, uh, this helps my team, so I want this person gone. It's not, uh, it, and it, it is part partly because we dehumanize these athletes when they're out there playing. So, like I said, they're not as terrible as they seem to be because they were thinking more about the ramifications of not having Durant out there than they thought of, I'm glad Kevin Durant's hurt. Thought Canadians were so, supposed to be nice. Look, everybody on this Come planet on. is a piece of trash human being. We're all pieces of trash, especially in broad generalization. Yeah, we're all pieces of trash. I I will admit wholeheartedly I am a piece of trash. I'm a terrible. I'm not going to admit to that. Uh, You don't. I'll admit it for you because you're a piece of trash, too. We're all pieces of trash. Like this is one of the things a lot of people are so surprised. Like I always hear people when they come to Kansas City, like, oh, these Midwesterners are so nice. No, we're not. I think I think we have trash moments. We all have trash moments. Like maybe not in general. I wouldn't call everyone. Trash. Like if you're in like a, a a group setting and like a fire breaks out, you're not gonna be like oh like not everybody's gonna be like oh we need to save everybody. Oh, you but know? some people will. Some people will. This was a some trash are, moment. Some people Canadians. are going to stomp over people to get out of it, get out of that situation where will the fire help people up. Yeah, because they're like others will, and then they'll have like a trash moment elsewhere, somewhere else. That's in what their I'm life. saying. We all have our moments. We man. all have our moments. We're not trash 100. percent But there's a lot of times where we all where we do have these moments where we're terrible people. And it just so happened that these people had their terrible person moment when Kevin Durant went down with that injury. Much in the same way, when when I heard when when I saw that that LeBron James was down with that groin injury, I kind of fist pumped a little bit because I was like, bleep bleep the Lakers. I hate the Lakers and any sort of misfortune. Now, if he'd have torn his ACL, I I wouldn't have done that. But he had a groin injury, so yeah, bleep the Lakers. Coming up next, it is uh, our newest segment. We it's the third time that we've done this. It is called Dead to Me. The fourth quarter of overtime with Jillian and Chris here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. We're a little less than an hour away from Cody's pregame show as he gets you ready for Royals and Twins. Game number two. It is going to be, it's a it's a weird start time. It is, it's 530 for, uh, for Cody's pregame show. And then the game itself will start at 647. Because there's going to be pregame ceremonies, so they pushed the start time back by like a half hour, forty minutes, something like that. It, it's it's uh, it's really weird what they're doing here, but yeah, they are they are pushing this back. So yeah, and again, don't don't pay attention to uh, MLB.com or yeah. the uh, or ESPN. the time on the Royals website yeah. or ESPN because yeah, none of it's wrong. No one. Yeah, apparently decided they wanted to update the time. Yeah, we time. I only knew because Spec sent me an email about it, and this was done what like a month ago. 
Uh, it was done. It was done quite a while ago. I got it yesterday. I think. Oh, oh, I think oh. I got the email yesterday. Cody said it was. It's been. He, he's known for about a month. So yeah, well, yeah, because you know they. Cody's the the guy. He's the insider. He's the insider. He, he knows. He's got all the, the information. insider information. Yeah, he gets all the information. A lot of stuff off the record he can't talk about. <laughs> Let's get to our newest segment here. Dead to me. You're dead to me, boy. You're more dead to me than your dead mother. You're nothing to me now. You're not a brother. You're not a friend. I don't want to know you or what you do. There is no tomorrow. You're dead to me. You're dead. You're gone. I don't even know who you are. You're vapor. You're dead to me. Over. All right. So this <laughs> week, you're vapor. <laughs> you're dead to me. Over. <laughs> So my my uh, my dead to me individual this week is uh, Mr. Paul Pierce. I'm I'm over. I feel like I've, I've been over him for a while. Mm-hmm. I uh, I am too. I've been over him for a while. Yep. Yeah, but uh, he, he's kind of run into some some hard times, and I think he just uh, he just really needs to to take a seat and uh, and just just kind of let things kind of blow over right now. So over this last month, he's now been sued. Uh, for calling a security guard racist, basically defamation of character, for the Conor Habib fight in which the security guard wouldn't let him go back to his seat because he did not have his ticket. So he wanted the security guard wanted to make sure that uh, <laughs> he was supposed to be sitting there. Yeah. And so uh, Paul Pierce pulled the race card on him. Then Paul Pierce... Uh, admits to basically crapping his pants uh, in the famous wheelchair incident in which he got wheelchaired <laughs> off uh, during a, what was it, a playoff game. It was the NBA Finals the NBA against Finals. the Lakers in 2008. Yeah, in which he came back after he got some clean shorts. That was dramatic, too. That was very dramatic. It was so dramatic. I was like... Standing ovation for him pooping his shorts, basically. He, we thought he kicked out of a serious injury. Right? And now uh, it's come to light that he has uh, been fired from... NBA countdown, which I, I gotta say, thank God because yes, he he didn't really provide any analysis. He just basically instead of pooing in his shorts, pooed from his mouth, and, and just just, just faints gave all kinds of hot takes that he just at this point needs to just take a seat, <laughs> uh, let life kind of blow by him a little bit, and, and just come on, man, I, I'm done with you. So so you are officially dead to me. I don't want to see you on TV. I don't want to hear you on radio. Go somewhere. Yeah, I'm, it's my debt to me. I'm more. not the uh, biggest fan of Paul Pierce. Uh, to me, he was trying his hardest to be Charles Barkley on the NBA Countdown it's team. Had a rough go of things lately, man. Yeah, and it's like take look, a break. He doesn't have the personality to be Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley's no. personality was apparent when he was on the court, let alone when he was in front of a microphone. Paul Pierce was never like that. Paul Pierce just had the dramatic moment where he was in the wheelchair in game in the in the NBA Finals, and first of all, he's stupid because he should not have let that out. He should not have told people that. Never, he should it, never admit it. Yeah, because it takes never. away the mystique of the wheelchair game. Because that was one of the greatest moments I had ever seen, and now that moment is just now a joke. It's a laughing stock. It's like it's like Jordan's flu game. If he were to admit that he was hungover and didn't have the flu. 
I think that's fine. You can still do it. I don't think that's fine. Then it, it I, takes away some of the not for me. Allure of not him for me. Playing it, sick. Because I've been hung, I've been hung over numerous times, and man, it is still it is tough to do anything physical like that. So I completely understand. Yeah, but then it's his fault because he was hung over, well, not mean, because he was sick. Well, I mean, he could be. What if he had? You know, what if he ate like some tainted meat or something, and you know, he had the. He had the runs. Like he shouldn't have ate. Maybe he had, he maybe he ate like one of these fast food restaurants at like midnight, and it got back to him in the morning. Either and way, so he's like, oh, you know, now I'm not feeling good. It's his fault. Either, either way, like it could be his fault. So I'm not gonna blame. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna blame Jordan for that. I'm not, like I said. I'm not gonna like to me. You keep that mystique under the wraps because that was one of the coolest moments that we had. In Never admit to it. My person, the person that I'm killing off this week, person that is dead to me, Kellen Winslow the second. Oh boy. Now, Kellen Winslow II, obviously we know (laughs) that there's a special place in hell for him because of the sexual misconduct he has had. He has uh, been convicted of sexual assault of multiple women, preying on women. So certainly that right there certainly deserves for him to be killed off, for him to be dead to me now. But there was an article in Sports Illustrated earlier this week that highlighted multiple incidents of sexual misconduct when he was in the NFL around his teammates. Reportedly, he liked to pleasure himself in front of his teammates. He was an avid porn watcher. And not only would he watch porn, you know, in his hotel room. Which is okay, but not to this extent. Yeah, I mean, he would do it out in the open in his hotel room. Big fan. With teammates in the hotel room. He would share. It was so bad that his Browns teammates were like, okay, dude, we can't share a room with this guy because he's out here pleasuring himself out in the open in the hotel room. Not only that, on flights. On no flights. One, no one would sit next to him on flights because he would watch, watch porn hardcore porn. Hardcore porn. And, like, that's not too bad because, like, when I was when I played soccer. That's, that's pretty bad. When I played, no, no, no. That's bad. When I played soccer, we would watch porn on the bus. But Somebody how old a, were you? How old were you? We were, you? like. 16, 17. Come on, you're a grown-ass man in the NFL. No, because no, we would on, sit there man. we would critique it. Like, it was like Mystery Science Theater. Like, we would sit there we would critique it while we were watching. He's watching it for pleasure. There's I a, mean, it was for pleasure difference. for us, too. We just, you know, didn't. That's just weird. You're we just, just didn't do anything. At, we just sit there like, oh, this is cool. You know, it's entertainment. That's weird. But we just didn't. It, it wasn't nothing sexual in that situation. But, yeah, this guy is, is he, he, got, he got caught in the locker room doing this. That's locker room like, pleasuring on, himself. He's like two Time seats. His locker's like two spots away from the door. And he's just doing it no out shit. in the open. He obviously has issues. He's got some major serious issues to where he's just out in public. He's in team meetings watching porn. That's a that's 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 where we draw the line right there. Where you're watching porn in team meetings. Like that, that's that's a problem. And everyone's no knows he's doing it too. It's not a matter of this is like the secret that we keep underground. Everyone knows it. So yeah. That to me, it, Kelly Winslow II, because of his conduct off the field and outside of football in general, yeah, he's dead to me now. So, all that being said, we'd like you all to take a moment, put your hand to your heart, the other arm behind your back, as we add Kellen Winslow and Paul Pierce to the uh, Dead to Me segment.
Thank you, Julio. Now we have uh, put two more people to rest. Uh, Drake, we already killed. I was I wanted to kill Drake again, but I decided against it. Marrowed him. Yeah, well, he's already dead. So I just decided I can't ki- I can't kill someone that's already dead. But no, I mean, yeah, I killed him a few weeks ago because uh, he was out here pretending to be a heart. Raptors fan. Yo, he had to be so sad when uh, when he found out that that uh, when he saw Clay Thompson go down with that torn ACL and he saw Kevin Durant go down with that torn Achilles. He had to be so sad. He's got Kevin Durant tattooed on his arm. He had to cover that up because uh, he didn't want people because he didn't want people seeing that when he's rooting against him, even though he was secretly rooting for him. He would have been just as happy with the with the Warriors winning those finals as the Raptors, if not ha- Raptors, if not happier, because uh, he's got. He, I don't think he's got any of the. I don't think he's got Kawhi Leonard tattooed on his arm, though he might actually try to do that now. Coming up next, uh, Michael Irvin came out and and had some. Pretty wild things to say about Dak Prescott's next contract. We'll talk about that next. You're dead to me. Over. Final few moments here on... Overtime with Jillian and Chris here on 610 Sports Radio on the Radio.com app. Christina Ocero, Julio Sanchez, no Jillian. She is in Paris, France. Living it up. She is living it up. Taking pictures of the Eiffel Tower, eating all that cool French food. It it has got to be so expensive to eat food there. It has got to be it's got to be expensive to do anything in Paris. Like she had she had probably had to save up for a while to go on this trip. So kudos to her. She'll be back next time we have a show. I think it's a couple weeks from now when we have a show. Not again. if you're an Emmy winner. Yes, yes, she might find a way to. Uh, I, I can't come, guys. I need to. I need to go to to this. I got to go back to Paris again to see the final for the Women's World Cup. So, but yeah, she'll she'll be she should be back the next time we have a show, and we'll have to really really dig into her about this Paris trip because uh, yeah, we didn't get an invite or anything, and we would have lo- loved to have go seen the U.S. Women's National Team stunt on all these other teams in their in their group stage in the knockout stage. Canada just made it to the knockout stage. So I actually would love to see the uh, U.S. women's national team stun on them and uh, let them Canadians know that we're going to celebrate on anybody that we play against because we're better than you and we're treating it like it might be the last time we'll do this. So I want to get into the situation where uh, into Michael Irvin's comments talking about Dak Prescott and the basic summation of what he was talking about is that Dak Prescott is worth every penny of whatever large contract they want to they want to give him. And this estimation is like he's probably going to make somewhere around the mark of like 30 plus 35 plus million dollars on average per year on his next contract. He's basically said he wants he we the Cowboys should be paying him more a bigger contract than what Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah, and that's paid. and that's essentially what would have to happen anyways because that's kind of Looting. where we're in now as far as the NFL goes, where whenever you sign a, a player to a big contract, it's going to be at or near the top of average annual salary uh, at their position. So, like, obviously, Chris Jones is going to get somewhere near uh, – somewhere near Aaron Dotto money, even if he doesn't get the exact amount, he's going to get somewhere near that because he's 
someone who is near the top of that position and vice versa. Obviously, Frank Clark got that when he signed his contract with the Chiefs after the trade with Seattle. It's just going to happen. The problem is, and we've seen this here in Kansas City for a long time now, is that you don't pay people who are just pretty good at their job great uh, great player money. Like, elite player yeah, money. Yeah, like you don't pay guys elite. who are pretty good elite player money. Just be, especially at the quarterback spot. Because that's what I hear all the time. Like, I remember getting into debates about Cody with this and his first stint here was 6'10", when he was justifying the contract of Alex Smith by saying, well, you know, that's what you pay quarterbacks today. And it was like, no, 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 no. That's what you pay good quarterbacks today. That's what you pay quarterbacks that put you in real contention for a championship today. That's not what you pay a quarterback that can just get you to the playoffs every year. You pay that. You pay twenty plus million dollars to a quarterback. Maybe get you to the playoffs. Maybe. Well, I mean, he got to the playoffs four out of five times. Well, I mean, Alex Smith got the Chiefs to four playoffs four out of five times. So you're pretty certain he's going to get you to the playoffs. You just knew he wasn't going to get you to a Super Bowl. And to me, I'm not paying a guy twenty million dollars that I don't believe is going to get us to a Super Bowl. That's just not. I just I just don't believe that because there's a lot of teams that can go out there and draft an Alex Smith in like the mid to late first round and then get production. Or you could just trade up and do what, like do what the Chiefs did and trade up and get your franchise guy. I just don't believe in in going out and and signing a guy for top level money if they're not a top level player at that position. But the quarterback position is different because teams just don't want to be terrible, and so they're willing to overspend for mediocrity at that position. And I feel like if you need to put tons of players who are really good around your quarterback, you are overpaying your quarterback. You have the wrong quarterback. Mm-hmm. You are you have the wrong guy. If you need two elite pass catchers and an elite running back, and you need to spend an average of like $30 million on your offensive line on a yearly basis because you're worried he's going to get hit, and you need to make sure that your defense is at least is somewhere in the top half of the league because he can't go out there and and score your points when you need. If you need all these things, all these things around him to be right, you don't need to pay him big time money. Because if you remember, the Chiefs' offensive line was the villain in the Kansas in, in Kansas City when Alex Smith was the was the quarterback here last year. They were one of the top offensive lines in the NFL as far as pass blocking goes. They were the best pass blocking offensive line in the AFC West. We never heard, we never talked about that offensive line last year. What changed about the offensive line? Nothing. What changed was the quarterback because the quarterback knew how to maneuver around the pocket better, get out of the pocket when he needed to, and keep his eyes down the field and make plays versus Alex Smith who would run into sacks all the time. He made the offensive line's job more difficult. Why would you pay that guy big-time money? just so you can keep him and you can just make sure that you make the playoffs and then lose in your first playoff game when you get there. Like, I have always been of the mindset that you don't pay people big money for mediocrity just because you don't want to suck. Take a risk. Get yourself a great player. So then, I guess, from that same point, then, do you go ahead and let him walk? I mean, you you can obviously franchise him. You franchise him and you find your replacement. That's what I would do. I I agree. I mean, otherwise, you're... You're essentially wallowing in mediocrity, which, is, again, you you know you can make the playoffs, but you know you're not ever going to win the Super Bowl. So then do you, do you start kind of the rebuild process, or do you start looking for his replacement, maybe shake up the trees and, and maybe look to trade him and, and get some get something back out of it? I don't know. Look at, I, mean, just, I don't know what you do, but I, I just know you don't pay him. 
Because like look at the me. look at the situation with like the Detroit Lions. This year, Matt Stafford is going to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Twenty nine million dollars. He is going to make that this year. Twenty nine million dollars. Matt Stafford ain't twenty nine million dollars good. Like you can make a case he's like right around twenty million dollars good. He ain't twenty nine million dollars good. But that's the situation that you're seeing teams in. We're like, we don't want to suck, so let's pay a guy who's mediocre big-time money. Let's do what the Dolphins did, and let's pay Ryan Tannehill for many, many years big-time money, and he's not going to do anything to help us win. I just don't believe in the mindset of, I just don't, I don't believe in the mindset of we don't want to suck. I believe in the mindset of let's go find ourselves at the risk of sucking. Let's go find ourselves a guy that could be a big-time uh, big-time elite player at his position. Special thanks to Julio Sanchez for holding things down and doing all the real work. Uh, Jillian Carroll should be back next time we have a show. I think it's two weeks from now. Special thanks to you for listening to us on your Saturday evening. I am Christian Ocero, and we are out. This is Overtime. Overtime with Jillian and Chris, 610 Sports Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.